Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, June 29th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh. And every weekday morning, we put the fun in functional sports content. Kevin, this must have been like Christmas morning for you, okay? Because over the weekend, we know how plugged in you are to the NBA. We know you've been excitedly awaiting because of your confidence, because of your faith in Adam Silver. And then you got presents under the tree for you this weekend with the idea of the schedule being delivered. We're going to get into that. We're going to literally handicap some of the early games that will pop once they go into this bubble. But, Kevin, as you know, I have been a little bit concerned about anybody going into this bubble, whether they be hotel staff, whether they be MLS players, whether they be NBA players, whether they be family members. And one of the biggest steps we knew was going to be testing and continuous testing as players get into Orlando and pretty much regularly once they get into the bubble. We've seen ridiculous rates from other populations being tested, Kevin, right? The Orlando airport was over 50%. We saw Clemson, who, by the way, even adjusted their numbers to make it worse over the weekend. But the NBA released some data points as well. It seems like they have tested 300, just over 300, 302 players so far. And Kev, 16 of them have test positive. Now, that is about 5%. Um... Kev, I got a couple of questions for you. One, mm-hmm. what's your reaction to this? It's probably a positive thing. But on the same level, this is something of an outlier. This is a low rate, right? Are you encouraged that this is going to continue and be the way because they're finely tuned athletes? Or are they just, like, lucky for now? Yeah, you know, I actually was, since we've seen these numbers, been like, I wonder what Dane's going to think. Because I know, like, when it comes to these COVID numbers, right, like yeah. the rates and everything, um, and my initial reaction to it was, those seem obviously you want zero, but sure. yeah. considering good, they good context, right? Good disclaimer, Con- yes. Considering though that the NBA was like it's not an if but a when, like considering the way testing has been, you know, the numbers for everywhere else are. I was like, oh, that actually seems like a positive thing, right? Like no pun intended, of course. But that's yeah. what you know, like oh wow. Um, what struck me, um. It was trying to figure out the why, as you suggested. Right. And this is the one thing that I could probably offer to you, is no sport was hit harder, more in the face probably, than the NBA, right? The NFL, their season was done. The offseason pretty much went off pretty smoothly. The draft uh, did all these wonderful numbers. Baseball had spring training stopped, but they never actually got off of the ground. And – you know, hockey would fit a similar description, but where the NBA goes to another level is that it was Rudy Gobert right. that got COVID that in in some ways shut the whole country down, right? Yeah. Like in some ways. And that- I actually think it was a good thing because it's what made people start to take it seriously. And as you and I know, as New Yorkers, that was the key to potentially turning the curve around. Right. And then there was, you know, kind of people doing the, the spider web connection of Rudy's right. last like five games, the teams that he played and then the teams that those teams played. And you looked at it and said, oh, I mean, potentially 20 different teams could have come in contact. Oh, yeah. With Rudy with their road trips and they were trying to do the tracing. And, yeah. And we saw multiple Nets players, including That's right. Durant. We saw multiple Lakers players didn't get specifics also have positive COVID test. Uh, We also had Christian Wood on the Pistons. So I think it's very possible. I mean, let's let's call it what it is, Dane. What we've seen about coronavirus based on the way things have come in New York, if you take it serious, you do have the ability to flatten that curve. And I would probably guess that the NBA players, because of how close to home it's hit, Maybe I'm taking it, you know, a lot more serious than others relative to them. 
That is possible. You know, I just did a little bit of math, Kev, okay? Because what the report was that they tested, I believe, 302 players, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Kev. There's 22 teams going to the bubble. There's 12 man, men on a roster, right? Mm-hmm. Well, 22 times 10, 22 times 12, Kev, is 264. Yeah. Uh, but they tested 302 players, right? So is that th- that extra 50 or 40 some odd? Is that like G League guys? Is that staff and other personnel as well? Because it's certainly not widening the circle to say testing all the family members yet who are entering into the bubble. I'm just trying to figure out. I know 12-man rosters, over 22 mm-hmm. teams that go to the building, are 264, yet they tested 302. I'm just trying to see, is this like the taxi squad also? or so? Yeah, so I, I was trying to figure this out as well. Yeah. My my instant number I kind of went off of, though, was 15. Because I know I think you have 12 oh, okay. active members, but I it might be 15. That makes sense. That would put us at 330. There's also this talk about potentially being able to carry 17 guys, um, and that would then be about 374. I think, though, what you're alluding to is something that I as well was like, they got a lot of them. They got a lot of the players in this initial round of testing. So is everybody here ready? Because, listen, I'm just thinking about some of the context in terms of, like, some of the news we've heard over the last week. So, for example, I know Nikolai Jokic, right, tested positive, but in Serbia, right? Now, I also just know logically, Kev, there are a bunch of other international NBA players. Like, are they in America? Are they in Orlando? Is this, you know, this 302 number... I'm just trying to get a sense of how many more players do they have to test? And then also, like, what about coaches? You know, and and, and that kind of stuff. We know, to be honest, it's been the coaches who have been vocal as well, especially the ones that are up there in age who may have some of these pre-existing conditions. They were the ones who bristled about, like, turning over the health records. This seems to be, you're right, Kev, good news about players and, you know, now, on June 29th, we don't know about July 29th just right. yet. But, you know, talk to me about things like the coaches. I'll give you this. This is a positive ratio. I just don't know, uh, A, how, how much the full denominator is, B, uh, the potential for, I don't know, uh, you know, someone who tests negative now sure. to, to get it in the next month, which is still very viable, you know, and a lot of other questions like that. So I think there's there's a couple there's a couple of things, right? Like the first thing I wondered to myself is of the sixteen players, right? Yeah. Is is Nikola Jokic a part of that group, right? Or is Fair. this an NBA conducted test? Because I I I would like to think I not like to think, but I'm assuming that Jokic was Fair. kind of tested in an attempt to come back into. So the is state. he and like Buddy Heald and Alex Len and Jabari Parker that we've heard of in the last couple of weeks are those part of the sixteen? Right, like that's it's trying to kind of figure. And right. My thing is though, based on the wording of it, I think so. It didn't say, okay, of thirty-two. It's a thirty-two tested player. So right, I, right, I right. believe so. I think the question now. So we then have six of the names: Jokic, three players on the Kings, Brogdon, and Derek Jones Jr. Those were made public. Now again, right. we've talked about the idea of the other ten being made public is not something that I would be expecting. If it's not at this point, then mm-hmm. it's very. Unlikely to come. What I do wonder is, with the rest of those tests, how many are across how many other teams? Yeah. We see that King situation. And now somewhat you'll look at the the Kings, right? Exactly. As a, oh, they've got a couple of tests, right? But maybe the same is true for Miami. Maybe the same is true for Indiana, right? right? And it's like these are all consolidated onto like three or four teams. And that's what we've been hearing, right? Even in football, right? It was like, oh, Texans and Cowboys pocket. In Major League Baseball, we're starting to see like teams that have three and four, the Phillies, the Blue Jays, you know? And that is how, I mean, it's a very uh, contagious virus, Kev. (laughs) No, it, it, it totally is. And I think, you know, again, for them, though, to be able to clear that many guys. Now, again, it is. It's the question is round two of testing, right. whenever that might be, right? Because we'll we're still say, from games, right? So, like, it's cool that I'm negative now, but you now you got to wrap them in hazmat suits for the next month. I will say, though, this is to me the thing. I don't think the any of the positive tests that come before games start really is the concern for them. 
I think because they've provided themselves such a runway, I think they'll have that ability to quarantine and get negative tests. From what we understand, a lot of these guys are asymptomatic, and then they would right. be able to clear maybe a 14-day. It's if positive tests come up in the middle of yeah. this restart, right? Mid-August, September. I agree. Because that's when you go, okay, the bubble, as silly as this sounds, the bubble's been compromised. Right. And now we might have this spread throughout. Can we really isolate one team and have them put out the back six guys on a roster? Or even just only six guys on a roster? No. Can we put a whole pause on everything? I don't know. No. Can we in good conscience eliminate a team because of COVID? No. So that's to me, I would say, to, like, yeah. these initial tests are so positive that I would think now it really cements the idea that they're going to be able to get this off the ground floor. It's the middle where you're going to, of course, be, right. you know. And that's your- the thing, Kev, you know, like, they're going to have to just grin and bear it because this is what I say. You you make the decision, like, are we going to go down this road? Are we going to stomach all the stuff that comes with it. There's going to be some ugliness, right? It's going to look bad when people do test positive. And you and I have both said, this is not an if, but a when. It is inevitable that someone's going to get it, right? I mean, there were, you know, 5% of people, even in this set of testing, which we agree is like the lowest rate we've ever seen for a mass group of athlete testing or anywhere, quite frankly. But you talk about the compromised bubble, when and if we get to that time point. And I continue to say, the bubble's going to be compromised. Hotel workers are going to go in and out. You know, security staff, you know, are going to go in and out. So it's impossible to completely, like, the bubble is a misnomer. You know what I mean, Kev? It's not 100% isolation anyway. Um, and I think you make a good point about, like, this positive test now is almost like not something to worry about. But unfortunately, to play devil's advocate, Kev, a negative test now is not something to celebrate necessarily in the same way. Because, again, just like with a positive test, they can get it through their system in the 14 days and then still get to Orlando. In the same way, there's if you got a negative test now, that doesn't mean that someone's you, a, a, a rash and a team won't happen um, the last week of July or mid when these playoffs are going on, bringing up the whole host of, you know, kind of, uh, ripple effects that you're talking about. But yes, this is definitely a positive snapshot of testing, right? Like they're going to have to do it again and again and again, the same way as every sport will. And if 16 players right now across 22 teams, that's less than one man a team. All right, four right now. So we're hopeful about it. And we'll look at, hopefully these full teams will be playing games. We'll look at some of these lines in total. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. You know, Kev, I mentioned at the top of the show that it was like, you know, Christmas morning for you, right? Because all of a sudden, wow, I've got games to look at. I have something to look forward to in the same way you may look forward to that holiday season. And I mean, honestly, Kev, we have details about the schedule. It's going to kick off, correct me if I'm wrong, on July 30th, right? There'll be two games, Jazz Pelicans and then Clippers Lakers kind of on opening night. And then it gets going in earnest really on July 31st. And I think about this, Kev. By the time we hit July 31st, we're going to be like in the quarterfinals of the MLS's back tournament, literally on the same damn campus. Major League Baseball will be in like week two of their season, which by the way means 10% of it will be done already, right? And so much other stuff will be going on. Training camps will have opened. You know, for a while, Kevin, we have been talking about 
oh my goodness, come the fall, it's going to be the smorgasbord of stuff. And now we literally see games happening on the same day. And it looks like, Kevin, take me through some of the general contours, but we're talking about like seven games a day, right? Like wall-to-wall action in the same way I'm excited to see three soccer games in the MLS tournament. We're going to see games it's going to be like an AAU's kind of schedule, right? Starting at like in the morning, going all the way through the day. It reminds me also of like, you know, in college basketball that day when there's like the Great Alaskan Shootout and the Maui Invitational mm. and they play college basketball for like 24 hours straight or something like that. We are going to be jam-packed and I know you're real excited about it. Take us through the kind of uh, big picture look of how the schedule, uh, how the chips fall here. Yeah, so we're getting started uh, on the 30th of July. There's going to be a maximum of seven games per day. That'll seven tip games off. per day? Maximum, but that's <laughs> still, that, that means that there's going to be... Yeah. What, it's not like two hours apart? That's 14, 16 hours of action. It's amazing. And, and the tip-offs will begin as early uh, as noon, uh, and then can start as late as, I believe, 9 o'clock. They've got three courts for games. Two of them are for national TV, one of the things that I saw was somebody kind of put together the uh, the national TV schedule. On that point? Of, no, of, of like how many teams of their eight games are on national TV. Okay. The Lakers have seven <laughs> of their eight games yeah. on either ESPN. And what about the Phoenix Suns? Zero? Yep, zero. No, literally zero. But it just, it made me laugh because, of course, we've had, like the prime time has mattered in the context of our some of our football roster resets. So that was just something um, that stood out to me. All in all, you know, this it's one of those things where it's just really exciting. What did also jump out to some people, and I, I, at least personally, I was like, why do we not have the schedule yet? This seemed like it was kind of a somewhat simple exercise. Um, I know Kevin Pelton of ESPN, who kind of, you know, uses a lot of different advanced numbers and um, all these things. But this one, like, he just kind of put together what he thought was the schedule. He's like, yeah, if they just have these three games plus the idea of playing your next eight, you should right. be able to create the schedule. And he kind of went through it and said, oh, it looks as if maybe they actually kind of did some different things some tweaking. To, to piece this schedule together. For the most part, it's who you play next, um, all in all. But it's exciting. The schedule looks great. One note I'll say, I guess maybe before we even dive into the specifics okay. in whichever direction – is sure. that a lot of people, right, are looking at, like, strength of schedule. And, like, I saw, I think, the winning percentage that it was, like, the Raptors are going to be facing, right, was, like, almost 64%, uh, like, winning percentage. And that's, I like... The Pelicans have the easiest strength of schedule, I think, yeah. remaining. And ironically, like, the Grizzlies, who are the eighth seed, they may have one of the toughest, but the Pelicans did have a tough schedule, you know, November through March, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like it is still a function of what you had left on your normal schedule, and maybe it eases up now because you were going through the doldrums before. One hundred percent. And the okay. re and the, the thing that I just wanted to say, yeah, right. And yeah, so they had one of the uh, six toughest strength of schedules by opponent win percentage. Did the Grizzlies? Is just like, e like you'll see some of these numbers. Everybody is almost playing a strength of schedule of teams that are above five hundred. These are all the best teams right. in the NBA for the most part, right? right? Like you need to kind of luck into a scenario where you look at your eight games and don't and go you happen to have a home and home with the Kings. Right. Like that's not a that's not a situation. So I just right. thought that was it's kind of no like if you again, if you look at that Raptors or the Heat or whomever it might be, and you're like, man, this is unfair. Keep looking. Everybody kind of has that type of schedule, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it just stands to be logical, right? The only teams that are left in the bubble are teams that are within reach of the playoffs. So your schedule will be littered with those kinds of teams. I can understand. Remember, there were, you know, five extra teams in the West that were kind of what, you know, between three and a half all the way down to about four and a half, five games out. If you happen to have a lot of those left on your schedule, I guess that would be the one way you can kind of have a literally a competitive advantage potentially against the rest in this short eight-game stretch before we get to the playoffs. I do want to let people know, Kev, also, our partners over at FanDuel have an incredible bonus going on in the NBA, Kev. I don't know if you've seen this, okay? But if you make a $50 bet on any team to win the championship right now, okay, you then get $10 back 
you know, as like kind of bonus as site credit, you get $10 for every game they win in their first five. Okay, so if you bet 50 on, say, you know, I may do this, you know, would say, oh, I don't know, call it the Los Angeles Clippers, right? And I make a $50 bet, then I get $10 back for every Clippers win in the first five games, okay? So what I want to ask you, because you've looked at the schedule, Kev, if it's five out of the eight, talk to me. Who's got an easy five-game stretch to start off that may also be a legit contender? Because I'm not going to just piss away my $50 bet, right? Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the actual contenders to, you know, win the NBA championship. And then, listen, if I get one of these big boys and they go four and one, I make 40 of my $50 back, you know, in this bet, making me have a bet on the Clippers, let's say, at plus 320 and having that $50 bet really only cost me 10 or 20. So with that context and that amazing opportunity from our friends at FanDuel, Kev, help me make a good bet here. I know you know I've been trying to beat Milwaukee in the East. You know I'm holding a couple of tickets to do so. And you know that I'm Team Clippers over Team Lakers. You know that I value the variance of the Houston Rockets, right? So with all that said, and I know you've had a chance to look a little bit at the schedule and some of the strength of schedule. Kevin, let's make some money. What does our early line syndicate want to do with this uh, promotional opportunity? I, I think it's a, I think it's great. I had not seen that uh, right you away. Know? You see what I'm talking about oh, now, right? Oh, totally. I'm just saying. I, I had, of all the things, the Sixers jump out to me right away. Now, again, because you have to find this sweet spot of team that you believe can win it and team that you're basically playing because of this opportunity that Fanduel's off. The early schedule, right? The Sixers' I first to game. I want to bet into a $10 outlay for me. That's exactly. what I want to do. <laughs> well, the Sixers might give you a free one here. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites in their opening game, which is okay. going to come against the Indiana Pacers. Okay. Toughest game in their first six, in fact. Ooh. But you only, only need five. After that will be the Spurs, the Wizards, the Magic, and the Blazers. Again. And correct me if I'm wrong, the Sixers are currently the sixth seed, but have an opportunity and would want to kind of – improve their positioning right to maybe even get into that four five matchup oh i like what you're talking about tell me more tell me more tell me more was it love at first sight like greece <laughs> um so the sixers fit this description really well because again what you alluded to there and by the way the sixth game for them is against the phoenix suns okay yeah. then they finish up with the raptors and the rockets if the sixers oh, come so out the, two, the raptors and the rockets like the best teams they're gonna face happen to be seven and eight on their regular season return schedule which is big because the raptors can be locked in to the two seed considering <laughs> the gap that they have above the celtics and the gap they're back of milwaukee that could be a rest game and the Rockets, now the Rockets are probably playing, but the idea that the Sixers can be favored in the first seven games of the reset, also that's what we're talking about here, is you're not only going to potentially be able to get your money back on a bunch of these things, but then you I have might them. also be beating the line because of them moving right. up seeds and avoiding. Because once they go six and one in their first seven games, that, say, Eastern Conference odds or that championship odds, I'm staring at them right now, Kev, to win the title at 27 to one. And remember, this would be, I would have to make a $50 win the championship bet. And if I did that with the 27 to one Philadelphia 76ers and it came in on my $50 bet, that's a nice little hit. We're talking 1300 bucks, 1400 bucks on the comeback, Kev. You want to get down with this with me? And you know I already have Boston. I already have Miami as my horses to win in the East. If I add Philly to the mix, right, then I get three of what we – I think we agree, right? We're looking to maybe beat Milwaukee. I've got then three of the four main contenders to do so. Yeah, I again for this strategy here, they're the team. Maybe you you would want the most, right? When it kind of comes, they got to, the variance. They got Ben Simmons back. Yeah. They got There's, a healthy, rested Joel Embiid, and that kind of talent in this format. They're as live yeah. as everybody. Now I'll say this again for this specific promotion. Yeah, the Bucks are going to be favored no matter who they're playing in their first five matchups. Sure. They're they're five point favorites to get started against the Celtics. That's fair. 
They follow up with the Rockets. I could get ultimately a favorite plus 240 ticket at $50 and have it only cost me 10 or 20 something like that. That's where all of a sudden now you, you know, you really made a a considerable, you know, difference there, right? Um, This now is the same set for the Lakers. I think their opening schedule is a bit harder than, say, maybe the Clippers, who will start with the Lakers, but then follow up with the Pelicans, the Suns, the Mavs, and the Blazers. I can get four out of five there. I think you could. And again, like, if you're going to kind of take that approach to it, there's only so many teams that you're going to believe, right, have the chance to to actually get this done. And the Clippers actually, at the moment, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about kind of the why, or at least why we might think, are favored over the Lakers by a point in that opening game. So the Clippers could fit a first – actually, I would say they will. They will be favored in their first five matchups. Now – this is a team that could rest, right? We might not see Kawhi play all of these games. Um, you know, this is a situation where they actually only have... I mean, hasn't he managed his load over the last three months, though, Kev? I genuinely... This is my whole thing with Kawhi, is I don't think he is healthy enough to play the back-to-backs that he sits out. I remember very much so last year when we got to the finals, as we got even towards games four, five, six. Yeah. He did not have legs left. So I understand why he, he just had a three-month rest, though. But the thing is, that's a knock against them to me. It always has been. All about right. why holding up over the long run. All right, interesting. So Kevin is starting to talk about the beginning of the schedule. We do have odds for those first games. We, you know, wanted to let you know about the promotion with our partners on FanDuel. It could be very tasty. When we come back, we look at the spreads for some of these first games to see who might get off to a good start for that promotion. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Watching Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on Sports Grid. Kevin and I continuing to give you the edge, and we're excited because we've got, you know, we've got spreads in the NBA as they come back. Still a month from now, okay? So while we're excited about it, we still do have to get through most of the month of July. And quite frankly, these NBA players have to get through most of the month of July without testing positive for COVID in a country that is setting a new record for new cases every single day. So I hope that the uh, like 5% rate continues or even goes down for athletes in the NBA, for athletes in Major League Baseball, for athletes across this country as we try to return to sports but kev you know there was a big rush right as these lines come out people have been craving this from a while and as you know and for anybody who's new to the show or new to sports grid the numbers are not necessarily what the books think will happen the numbers are what they hang to generate even money on both sides so that the book can take their rake and be the winner no matter what. So what we've seen, though, Kev, is a rush, right, to bet maybe one or two of these sides. And there had to be movement literally over the course of the weekend since they originally hung them. Where would you say there's been some of the biggest movers in the kind of initial reaction of sports bettors with some of these early NBA games? So we've actually had three different spots where our dog has gone to a favorite. No spot, though, bigger than the uh, Spurs and the Kings opening matchup. This one really grabbed my attention. This initially opened with the Spurs as a a point-and-a-half favorite. Oh, wow. That's a big move. They are now three-point dogs. I almost have to wonder if there was a slip of the button. Because when I came across this line, uh, I believe I saw it as a one point um, in favor. You mean like somebody just bet 20 large on it by accident and moved the number? I mean that maybe they meant to make the Kings one and a half point favorites. Oh, I see. That's, I mean, this game would have been hit 
so hard, so much to go from one and a half point favorites to three point dogs is just such a big move. But to be fair, when I looked at this game, right, and I saw Spurs yeah. at, at the minus one and a half, I said, oh, I think wrong team's favorite here. Oh, well, I think there you Spurs, go. So did a lot of other people, apparently. Right. I'm like, oh, I, I think that the Spurs are, you know, still without LaMarcus Aldridge. I think that this Kings team is better than we think. And I started to try and understand it why. Out, yeah. I'm like, well, maybe it's the COVID uh, situation there. And look, only FanDuel would be able to tell us kind of why they came with that initial line. Yeah. But they very clearly were willing to get off of it. But even still, right? And this is why I, it's so, it, it's the most interesting game pure betting perspective-wise, because of the line movement, even if they got hit, right, Dane, and all of a sudden now the Kings are one-and-a-half-point favorites, okay, big line move. They just kept coming, all of this Kings here. It's staggering to me. That's such a big move for a game over a month away. But here's the thing. I think we're going to start seeing big moves. I think that's something we're going to start to see, Kev, literally in this pandemic era. We just are, okay, because there's so much uncertainty. I know this is a different context, but in, like, week four of the NFL, you know, when a starting quarterback tests positive or three offensive linemen test positive, there's going to be a huge swing. Now, I know that's not necessarily the case because we don't have these updated numbers, but I can dream up a number of reasons here for this, Kev, you know, and I think my point is different people are going to value uncertainty and availability differently you know and that's where these big moves are gonna make you know i said it like in the nfl how are we gonna value one on one side a team down their starting safety and starting cornerback but another of the other side of the ball that offense down two offensive linemen and their number two wide receiver Right. Like, how do you put that all in balance and say ultimately what the impact of that is? Right. There's just so much uncertainty thrown in the pot. We've talked about variance. And I think line movement is going to be another indicator of that variance. Just in this game, Kev, I'm thinking about you're right. Lamarcus Aldridge. Right. And so accommodating for that after what the number would have been. He's gone. You mentioned the cluster of Sacramento Kings and the kind of idea of could the Kings be a cluster? Could they have more risks to have more players over the next couple of weeks? And another thing I think about, which we don't have resolution to yet, Kev, we do not know for 100% if Greg Popovich will be allowed to be there coaching the San Antonio Spurs either and that to me you talked about a four-point swing away from the spurs well if their hall of fame head coach is not there that could be worth a couple of points no yeah and maybe people felt as if the book didn't value lamarcus aldridge's absence enough and maybe that's why they came so hard on these lines because you know again like listen the spurs without popovich there though that's that's big and I, I wouldn't would, don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's plausible if Popovich didn't go. I mean, this thing moves a full five points by close then, right? But there is another side to this. So another right. thing I looked at, right, when I saw this, is that I remember it had to be, it was somewhat recent. Uh, it was about a month before shutdown. These teams played on the 8th of February. And the Kings 20-piece the Spurs. Too quick for them. Buddy Heald was maybe the best player on the court. Had a 30-point game, was a plus 30 right. on the court. He's starting to come into his own. We don't know Buddy's availability. Holy. I'm just, you know what I mean? We expect him to be there. So that was why it was so staggering to me to see, again, from it to go one and a half to the other side of a one and a half, I I could almost be like, okay, I agree. I also thought the Kings should have been favored when I saw the line. For it to get all the way up to three, though, I just thought that that really grabbed my attention. And it's not the only spot, though, where we – did see some some decent movement yeah absolutely i want to get those other games where you do see the movement but i'm gonna stay again i think this is you know for the last three months kev the term the new normal has been out there in all facets of life right and we've started to come to the realization kev about how much uncertainty there will be with availability of players you have said things like i don't know if i want to touch futures bets in this uncertainty well kev 
maybe as we get further and further into it, we realize that part of the new normal in the sports investment world includes dramatic shifts because of uncertainty. You're talking about the idea of a four-point movement is crazy. I agree with you. Maybe we are entering into a new normal, Kev, where so much of this happens that that kind of swing is uh, is understandable, can we say at least, right? Because different bettors will perceive all of these little things in a wide variety of ways, which could then move a number. The other thing, you know, you mentioned about, hey, Buddy Heal was the best player on the court in that game. I wrote down what you said. Here's the key word of what you said, Kev. It was February 8th. That's what you said. This yeah. next game we're talking about will be July 31st that these teams play again, a full five, almost six months later, with four months being in a global pandemic. I can completely understand these lines having some movement. You said there's a couple of other games mm -hmm. that kind of um, you took notice of, maybe because of a big move or a move that you didn't understand fully. What's another one? So... We also we actually almost had another four point move. The Nets opened as two point favorites to the Magic and are now one and a half point dogs over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Huh. This is again another really interesting one to me. The Nets have been fascinating to watch at FanDuel without coming off as full of myself. <laughs> I genuinely believe nice though disclaimer, that disclaimer, I genuinely believe, though, that the analysis that we give here sometimes at the sports grid can genuinely impact lines. We are you know, always pushing people. Jared said the same thing on In Game well, Live, and he was like, and ask Kevin, we're moving lines. We, yeah, the thing is, we, we, we said it for a while as a joke, and then, then some things like, happened that we were like, maybe. Because the thing is, we are always pushing our viewers to use the incredible FanDuel Sportsbook. And remember... Right. If you remember, Dane, when we were looking through those yes-no bets for the Nets, right? Yeah. We were like, oh, the Nets price is is off base. They're only a half game better than the Magic. They should not be as wildly favored as they are. And if you look at it, you actually will get longer odds on the no bet for the Magic to miss the playoffs, meaning they mean it's more likely the Nets miss the playoff than the Magic now. And that's exactly where we were sending people. I'm saying all of this in that I just wonder if there is, at the FanDuel Sportsbook, people who are now anti-Nets. Because this, again, opening as a two-point favor in the way of Brooklyn, I understand. I think the expectation is that they're a better team than the Magic. For this to come back around for a point and a half, I'm just wondering if currently the FanDuel Sportsbook is finding themselves taking a lot of anti-Nets money. It's possible, and that, but that's what I, you know, I go back to my point, like, they're taking a lot of money because these have been up for a while and now everyone's running, you know? So this could be an influx of public money that's dumb also. Who knows? Kev, when you talk about Orlando, Brooklyn, I've got to ask you, I mean, technically these games will be taking place in Orlando, yeah. right? But I understand, and you mentioned the idea of home court and stuff. I don't know if you want to give Orlando a home court edge on the spread, but you did say this moved towards Orlando's direction, and they will technically have as much of a home advantage as anybody else, even if they, like, you know, know their way around the wild world of sports or know the mm -hmm. great Chinese delivery to order. 100%. Here's the thing. I've seen some people say that's all they get to sleep in their own beds. No, they don't. No, they're, they're staying, in, hotels. They're they're staying in the, the bubble. Said, like, Chinese food delivery because it's not right. sleeping in their own beds. And even the travel advantage that they might have in terms of having to uproot and get to Orlando right. will be taken away by the time we play this game. Everybody will have been there sure. for three weeks. So I totally agree with that. Let me just offer you this as well for this game. The loser is in eighth place. With the half-game separation. Right out the, the gate. The loser now is in danger this of This would be a nationally televised game then, Kev. This is like, this one game literally has more, like, impact on, you know, very interesting parts of the standings that matter. Kev, when we come back, listen, I know there's another game you want to talk about. I want to ask you a question about a game right out the gate on opening night as well. And then, listen, one of the things the NBA players were talking about were the idea of, you know, 
other contexts in this country with protests and what have you. And the NBA is going to find ways to get behind that as well. We'll continue to talk about it. Kevin and I, we keep it moving right here, giving you the edge. It's the early line. Happy Monday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. Continuing to give you the edge. Kevin and I are looking. Listen, we've got NBA games to look at. We've got a schedule to kind of process and internalize, and we've been doing so. You know, Kevin was looking at some of the games early on that had a big line movement. Kev, I got to ask you something else that I've noticed. Um, In that first game, you know, opening night, right, they are going to lead with L.A. versus L.A., and I'm very excited about that in prime time. I do got to ask you something, though, because when we look at the markets, right, when we look at the Western Conference market, When we look at the NBA Finals market, the Lakers are slightly ahead of the Clippers. The books like the Lakers. So explain to me why the Clippers are a one-point favorite then when these two teams match up. We know it's not a building home court kind of thing. They're at a neutral site. You know, we've, we've talked about this. There will be no, you know, points for the home court. So how am I staring at, I know it's only one point, but in this market for the specific game, books like the Clippers, yet in the long-term futures of it all, both in the West and for the championship, the books like the other L.A. team at shorter odds, I see an inconsistency. Call me crazy. No, I think you're spot on. And I've, I've um, also been trying to figure this out. Now, one thing I noticed is when the Clippers last played the Lakers, one of the final games that we got before shutdown, the Clippers entered that game as two-point favorites. They were also technically home, and I've always struggled to figure out how they handle a right. home court advantage boost in that setting, okay? Right. We're now getting, <laughs> right, because do they treat it as a neutral site? Do they favor right. the Lakers because they have more fans? I don't know how they treat that. I see this, though, as a one-point situation here, and I would have assumed this probably would have gone the other way. The only thing I could figure here is that Avery Bradley in that last game that they played scored 24 points and was a game high plus 13 for the Lakers. Now, he had an outlier performance. He shot 6 of 12 from 3. Come on, that's not Avery Bradley. Again, it's but I'm pretty much trying to do there. So then this would be the reason because that's not the only game Avery Bradley is going to miss. So what you're saying is that Avery Bradley is the caliber of player that may move the needle here. And if that's the case, then what about Trevor Ariza? What about, you know, all these other guys who I can make the case, you know, are the same level of player or the same value to their team as Avery Bradley? Yeah, no, but the thing is, right? If I'm saying that, oh, I, I thought it would have been a, a one-point, you know, Lakers favorite, yeah. that means Avery Bradley's worth two points to his spread. No, he's not. He's not. The best players in the NBA are worth Yeah, I agree. Three and that's to... where it's like this weird case. So if you're going to call Avery Bradley three-quarters of a point, but Lou Williams is worth half a point, every player has some kind of value, and, you know, maybe only 5%, maybe it'll grow to 10%, whatever. When you look at those things in totality, right, it's going to be like, here, 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 here. <laughs> Ultimately, figure out what all of the context is worth. Yeah, that's why I am, I'm, I am, it's, it's a, it's a number that's that like, the NFL, I'm going to compare a starting safety and cornerback versus a, a running back and three O linemen. I have no idea how on balance, when you put that all into the, the formula, because that's what these things are, right? These guys at the book have an algorithm, have a formula, have a power index. How, yeah. It's going to be too many variables. I can't imagine that they put their own opinions into these numbers. Meaning, I can't see a world where they were like, nah, I don't think the Lakers come out hot enough. Let's throw it on the Clippers, right? Like, that would be too big of a risk, I feel like, for them. Were they trying to welcome in Lakers money? I have to think they're always getting hit with but Lakers they are trying, money. Because remember, the Lakers have an odds boost also. 
um, here yeah. in the NBA. Maybe they are trying to generate Lakers. Like, I don't know, right? But I can see a reasonable, uh, a reasonable thesis here being like everyone is going with the variance. Everyone knows not to bet the big time favorites in this context, and now they want Lakers money. But let me say this, and I remember this when Avery Bradley announced he was out. The Lakers, who had been plus two seventy the whole time to win the title eventually got themselves to plus 260 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Now, again, so, there's... Wrong direction. So it, it's a it's a piece-by-piece piece right. thing. Like, are, do, maybe it has to do with the road to the finals. And maybe they're looking at a Clippers team. But again, the, the, the standings are going to change. They're going to get an eight seed that's maybe coming off a play-in tournament. Right, versus the Clippers who... I mean, the Rockets and the Mavs get things started if... The Mavs beat the Rockets. The Rockets are a half game behind, uh, a right. half game in front of the Mavs for the seventh seed. That could be the Clippers' first round matchup. Yeah. So maybe that has to do with the futures on. But that then does mean that that the, at least the FanDuel Sportsbook believes the Clippers are better than the Lakers. There you go. So if that's the case, I may make my fifty dollar bet on the Clippers. Which and get my plus 340 and hope they win some of these games. Well, right. But this then means that the Lakers, who are favored to win the West, right, at plus 165 to the Clippers plus 175. Right. And considering that this is the expected matchup, and as long as they stay away from each other's earlier lines. Right. This might mean that the Clippers then, on a series price, might be favored against the Lakers. Which is weird. They're certainly favored against the Lakers in game one of the restart. So I do wonder how that goes and the idea of what building this takes place in don't matter because it's L.A. versus L.A. or Orlando as it were. Kev, you also noted an intriguing movement with two of the... Two of the bottom feeders that are going to Orlando, right? The Wizards and the Suns. You saw some interesting movement here. And the way the books have these two teams up against each other kind of also give you some inklings as to who kind of the bottom of the barrel is in Orlando. Yeah, the Suns and the Wizards are the two worst teams record-wise that have been invited to Orlando. The Suns opened as three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, it's now down to three over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. But... That's considerable to me. That then says that the Wizards are at least three-point dogs to every single team that right. they play. Because Phoenix would be the worst record, right? Kind of yeah. there. And Phoenix. so if they're dogs to them, then they're dogs to everybody. Right. Un unless, you know, I mean, I can't even say the Spurs because the Spurs opened as a favorite, right? And the Suns have the worst record out in the West. That means that they, they believe the Wizards are comfortably – Three-point dogs on a neutral site to the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Comfortably the worst team there. We Some know Bertans is not going to make it, and Washington is okay with that because they hope to, you know, re-sign him in the oh. offseason, so they're playing nice. How much? And we've been just talking about this. How much does Avery Bradley move the number? How much does Trevor Ariza move the number? I like Bertans, but he's sort of on that tier of player. How much does Bertans move the needle? Bertans has been their second best player, right? Okay. Bradley Beal being the best player. So Bertans missing, I agree matters. Is Bertans worth three points? Is he worth two points? A point? I'm not sure. I will say this, though. You're going to hear from everybody, and you should, motivation as a part of how right. they handicap these games. The Suns are a country mile away from getting up to the ninth seed because all of the teams that sit in front of them. Yeah, they'd have to hop them. The Wizards, if they win, will be one game back of triggering the play-in because one of the Magic or the Nets have to lose their first game. They'll either be, I believe it is, four and a half back of Orlando if Orlando loses, and then five back of Brooklyn if Brooklyn loses. They're going to be one game away. If Bradley Beal's out on that court, understanding the situation, I think right now, if you wanted to try and get a dog, at a plus 126 money line right now at the FanDuel Sportsbook, and I'm sure, you know, call it plus 125 to keep it about even, yeah. right? I think the Wizards are worth the look because I have questions about how much the Suns care. Remember, right. Kelly Oubre was like, thumbs up. Then the format came out They're a week like, past by, and he's like, yeah, I'm staying home. I'm, for me, 
the Wizards being this much worse than everybody else, I'll wait and see on. I think the Wizards getting three points is a bit too much. All right, fair enough. I want to ask you about one other game, and it's the first game out of the shoot. Okay, yeah. Jazz Pelicans. And I got to ask you, I don't know if you've been hearing all the reports, but apparently Zion is coming in like a man possessed. Everyone, and and literally, they didn't have him. Now they have him. When we talk about like, oh, uh, Nurkic in Portland or the potential return of Simmons for Philly, this like, you know, Zion 2.0 for New Orleans, I think he's going to be there. We also know the Pelicans have an easier schedule. We also know John Morant and the Grizzlies have a tough schedule. I want to ask you, why is this a game that you have an inkling on? And my follow-up is, if Zion comes in here, as a complete, like, phenom, you know, and leads them into the eighth or the seventh seed or whatever, right? And ultimately, Memphis misses out. Is there a universe where Zion can still steal Rookie of the Year away from John Morant? So the answer to that one should be no. I do worry about how, you know, people might kind of lose their mind over... Yeah, an eight-game sample size. Zion goes out there and goes 26-11 and 11 opening night against Utah. The thing is, right, John Morant has played I know. 40 more games. I know. It would be criminal. But what about if in these eight, with all the spotlight shining, you know, Zion, like, goes off. And everything I've heard, right, is that he's – a man possessed is going to surprise people and all this stuff. I also, listen, I pray to Ja. I think Ja is my man. I think he deserves it. I think it's a season-long award. I agree with you. But I do think there's the potential for just, like, everyone, like, Lynn Sanity to break out, in essence. I'll say this, okay, that, you know, it's it's plus 900 for Zion to win Rookie of the Year, okay? It's minus 3,000 for Ja to keep it. I know. Again, th- he's going to play 40 more games with him. It should not be a thing. What I will say, though, is the plus 380 for the Pelicans to end up being the eighth seed is where I'm looking. Ah. I think they might be favored in seven of their eight games. And now I'm pretty confident about that because they opened as two-point dogs to the Jazz and are now one-point favorites in that basketball game. And I understand it not only from the standpoint that Zion is evidently a man possessed. Oh, and by the way, if they're one-point favorites over the Pelicans, you can look. The Jazz are playing the Thunder in the Thunder's first game, and the Jazz are favored in that game. That's oh. that's four and five in the West. The Pelicans are that they got New Orleans as favorites against. That means that the Pelicans are going to very likely be favored in seven of their eight games. It it talks about how the excitement level for Zion, the fact that David Griffin's like he's going to shock people. Hey, buddy, I'm already shocked. What right, more that's can what I'm saying. Like, do? What are we talking about here? But also with the Jazz. There's going to be a fade aspect. Bogdanovich, we know, isn't sure. going to be there. And there's been enough talk about where you can at least think that Joe Ingles might not be showing up. True. And they are team COVID with what happened with Gobert and yeah, Donovan. The antibodies by now. They should be uh, okay. Yeah, but, but, but I do think... any, antibodies don't care hating your uh, for, you know fellow best player. This is absolutely true. There does seem to be a little bit of drama in Utah. Well, listen, that's a quick hour one. We'll see if Zion does truly impress. But some interesting movement. And don't forget about that promotion from our partners on FanDuel. Keep it locked right here, though, on the early line. Hour number two is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 